This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is bonus episode 276. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Up on bonus episode 276, we are kicking off a brand new Russian roulette franchise retrospective. This is an impromptu one that I've kind of slotted in at the last minute. The reason behind it is quite simple. There is a ton of summer teapots top 10 content coming your way basically the two weeks before and essentially the, what, six weeks after this and it will dominate a lot of time that those episodes running over four hours in length can be a bit of a chore to get through. So why not, why not give you something shorter, snappier and back in your comfort zone to listen to. So it kind of made sense that I finally get around to watching all those Jaws movies and that is what our Russian Roulette franchise retro is looking at. This will be recorded in two instalments. This is your first instalment. The second instalment will be coming early September and it will be covering all four movies in the Jaws franchise. Up in this episode, we'll be covering Jaws and Jaws 2. My guests, David Garrett Jr. and Lacey Liu. They will be talking about those movies after the first break. But before we get to that, as always, let's catch up. So much stuff happening under the stairs, ladies and gents, as you are fully aware. This is another four-episode week. We kicked it off on Monday, looking at 2002 as part of the Summer Teapot's Top 10 series. This is your Thursday episode. On Saturday, it's Listener Choice Time. Make sure you're on the Facebook group page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast tomorrow when I post three movies for you to vote out in a poll, the winner being covered on that episode. And then on Sunday, 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 we'll turn our attention to another Arrow video assortment, looking at a bit of Spaghetti Western, a little bit of Franco Nero, a little bit of Texas Adios. Over on the Teapots Collective, we are dropping today a brand new Chronicle podcast looking at Kill List. Early next week, we'll be dropping a brand new episode of Opera Omnia. Later on in the week, we're at Boom with Jallo. And then the following week, doing The Nasty. So tons going over on the Teapots Collective. No excuse not to make sure you're subscribed to both feeds. Right, let's fucking do this. We're going to take a short break just now. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear the trailer for, wait for it, Dun 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 Dun. That's right, Jaws, coming up right after this. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. 
So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts... Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host cure what ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill. A mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him jaws. <laughs> this is Universal's extraordinary motion picture version of Peter Benchley's best-selling novel, Jaws. I just found out that a girl got killed here last week. And you knew it. You knew there was a shark out there. You knew it was dangerous. But you let people go swimming anyway. Barracuda. Everybody says, huh? What? You yell shark. We've got a panic on our hands on the 4th of July. Is it true that most people get attacked by sharks in three feet of water, about 10 feet from the beach? Yeah. What we are dealing with here is a perfect engine, uh, an eating machine. We're not only going to have to close the beach, we're going to have to hire somebody to kill the shark. Bad fish. But I'll catch him and kill him. Did you hear your father? This shark, swallow you whole. You're going to need a bigger boat. That's a 20-footer. 25. Three tons of them. Hold it up. He's coming straight for us. Don't screw it up now. Don't wait for me. Now! Shoot! fantasies of evil can compare with the reality of Jaws. Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfuss, Jaws, 
see it before you go swimming. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So here we go. Let's kick it off in grand fashion. This is a brand new Russian Roulette franchise retro. This is a sneaky one that I've put in as a extra content to happen while you're getting that whole summer series that's running on. I know what you're thinking, Duncan. Those episodes are about five hours apiece. Why would you swing in a Russian Roulette? Well, to be honest with you, not everyone enjoys 2000s horror. And they are crazy, but there's a lot of people out there who just have no interest at all. And a lot of people won't listen to five-hour podcasts, but they will listen to people talk about Jaws, um, which I have realised like everyone will listen to anyone talk about Jaws. And I thought, let's do the franchise, as it's a franchise I've never completed. So, here we go. I have four phenomenal guests joining me over two episodes. Uh, this first episode will feature reviews of Jaws and Jaws 2, and we're kicking off with Jaws. My guest joining me here, making his official review podcast Under the Stairs debut, um, is a guy who has been a long-time contributor, not only to Movie Club, but also to the, the stuff we're doing with Where to Begin with Jallo. Uh, just in general, all-round fucking awesome guy. He contributed and was spokesperson to the People's Council last year on the summer series and has since went on to create Journey with a Cinephile, which is his podcast, which I highly recommend you go out and check. It is, of course, David Garrett Jr. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I am doing brilliant because like we were just speaking just before I hit record. Uh, I thought we'd already done, like uh, you being on doing one of these reviews and the fact that that's not happened basically means you're a new guest which makes me giddy uh, of course there's always that long-standing rule on podcasts under the stairs a grand tradition that if you are a first-time guest um reviewing a movie and you come on as part of a russian roulette franchise retro you have a golden ticket to basically pick a movie and come back and review with me anytime you want after this so keep that in the back of your hat and whenever there's something that pops up you want to chat about drop me a line and we'll get you back on so, Sounds great to me, man. Yeah. You would be what most people would consider uh, having the luck of the Irish here and that your name was drawn out against Jaws. Um, now, the, the averages and kind of public perception of the Jaws franchise, and I can't weigh on this yet because I've still see 3D all the way through and I've still see Revenge, which I've never watched, um, is that, you know, the first two movies are the best two. And of those two, the first one is the better one. And you landed that one. So you kind of just coasted in and got the best one on the list. Um, I was pretty shocked, I'm not going to lie, when that popped <laughs> up like that. But I was like, hey, you know, I'll take it. So. I, I will not argue this decision. Uh, I will not deal with Mike Merriman <laughs> when he tries and swaps his title with me. Uh, and I cannot be bought off. That's your approach, and I like it. I appreciate it. Um, also, on the flip side, though, you have the unenviable task of talking about Jaws, a movie that has been dissected, has been reviewed, has been spoken about ad nauseum um, by about every horror publication and its ante. So, I mean, there's that side as well. And I'm looking forward to it because our format's just a little bit different than what everyone else does. Um, So with that in mind, let's get into it. Uh, So Jaws, uh, 1975, directed by Steven Spielberg. Um, it stars, surprise, surprise, a lot of people that you already know, Roy Schneider, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfuss, Lorraine uh, Gray, or Gary, sorry, Murray Hamilton, Carl Gottlieb, Jeffrey Kramer, Susan Backlinney, 
Jonathan Philly, oh dear, uh, Ted Grossman and some other folks, let's skip ahead. Uh, synopsis for this one is when a shark killer unleashes chaos upon, when a shark killer? When a killer shark unleashes chaos, when a shark killer, this is a whole new movie that, when a shark, the, the, sto- the story about Jaws is Quint's story. I love this now, as a renegade Quint. this now too. <laughs> <laughs> a renegade Quint. Uh, there should be a cut of that somewhere out there when a killer shark unleashes chaos in a beach community it's up to a local sheriff a marine biologist and an old seafarer to hunt the beast down now I'm I'm safe to say that this wasn't your first viewing of Jaws David was it? no but I will (laughs) say I probably came to it late seeing it all the way through this was one that was always on TV but I don't think I saw it like you know, consciously sitting down and watching it start to finish until probably like five or six years ago. That's interesting because Lacey is doing Jaws 2 and we've yeah. just finished recording, to put people into perspective, this episode's flipped and reversed very much like Missy G would sing about. Um, and in that, she was telling me she only saw Jaws for the first time a couple of years ago as well, like all the way through. So she came to it much much later so that's interesting it'll be interesting to see if there's a different kind of perspective seeing it with kind of newer eyes at a later time um okay right let's 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 gear up your questions then question number one (laughs) kind of feels it may be loaded this way on this question and not in the second one but what does it well what if anything does jaws do right I mean, obviously, you know, the easy way would be, you know, it does pretty much everything right. But Uh, but actually, though, for me, I think the best thing that I really enjoy about it is just how deep they make the characters and how well they developed, like, the town and the plight that everybody's kind of dealing with if you have to close the beaches because of, you know, this situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's Isn't there, like, do you think... It's weird when, <laughs> it's weird in a twenty twenty scenario, you know that 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 we're living in right now with the whole COVID thing, um, mm-hmm. how this conversation is basically playing out on a day to day basis. Of, oh yeah, you know, I mean, there's potential harm outside the door, or there's the economy, <laughs> and what one's more important? Um, and I like I always thought Jaws was a uh, one of these scenarios when. Like, on paper, I could kind of see why the mayor was being a bit of a dick. Uh, But I couldn't understand exactly the full level of why he was being a dick. You know what I mean? Like, just take the advice on board, do something about it, or get your your beach goers to just be a bit more safe. There's a a multitude of different things you can do to prevent all this, apart from taking the ostrich approach of just basically burying your head in the sand. So, but now having lived through this year and seeing how governments are handling just a virus um, with pretty much the same approach of la 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 it's not out there um, you know like sometimes sometimes movies you know imitate life and sometimes life imitates movies um, and I think to me my appreciation for the movie has changed as I got older so as a yeah. as a kid, I was all about the death and the shark. As right. a teenager, I was all about the the kind of the death and the shark and the angst and the you know if that was me, I would have caught you know that sort of conversation. As an adult, it's all about 
is Brody's position. You almost go through the the the, the different characters, you know, like mm-hmm. as you grow up. So when you kind of start when you're a kid, you're you're almost in a lot of respects you're the you're the Dreyfus character. You have a like as a kid, you're every kid's fascinated with sharks, you know, and yeah, like, for sure. Know, that's just your you empathise with him. When you become like a kind of in your twenties, you know, young father or whatever, you kind of have the Brody approach. You know what I mean? You're the I need to look after my kids. I need to look after the town. I need to look after people. But when you become an old man, you become the Quint, don't you? You become fearless essentially. And I think that's I like you speak to me in twenty years' time. I will tell you right now, I empathise with Quint more than anyone. And I think that's where the movie. Works for me. My I've evolved my taste of it. I've never lost sight of how great the fucking movie is, but I've evolved my taste through those three characters, who are the most unlikely combination of kind of like this. Ep- this episode of Friends is a bit weird. It's set in a boat and it has you know like a police officer, or a marine biologist, and a guy that survived a a horrific shark attack only to be eaten by a shark. Um... You know, there's a, there's a lot of a lot of that that resonates with me from a storytelling point of view, which I think is easily overlooked when you're talking about everything else that Jaws does, right? So I'm I'm way on that one. Um, what else? What else does this movie nail for you? Um, I mean, obviously the when you're a kid, like you were saying, like the shark aspects of it. I mean. I know a lot of people have talked to death, and I mean, I know like Spielberg even came out and said how mad he was that you know, the shark wasn't working as well as he wanted to. So we didn't get as enough of like that going on, but I almost like, especially now where I kind of heart more on effects, like as I get a more trained eye to kind of look at things, I think it works so much better. Some of the times where you can't see some of these things and just how well it builds attention at when you don't see it. But then when it does pop up in some of those scenes where like um, Brody's, you know, chum in the waters and everything, and it's kind of there, or when it just kind of comes up and spooks people that you're just kind of like, it's way more effective when you can use it kind of in those ways. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's two schools of thought, right? There's a school of thought that is that if you have a monster movie or you're making like a nature gone, a muck or like an animal attacking movie or whatever, like the audiences want to see the creature. They want to see it because that's what they're paying their money for and whatnot. I think if this movie had been full of animatronic shark, um, it would not have worked. The, right. the 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 thing that Spielberg learned very quickly in this project and has essentially used it to his advantage and pretty much everything since this is that sometimes not showing something and letting the other elements, you basically have reactions and an iconic score that add just as much tension and just as much dread in this movie as actually seeing a shark. That, to me, right. is genius filmmaking. So, I mean, I don't know how you better that. And so, I think almost misfortune benefits this movie more than the... You know what? Like, if you have trouble, the thing is, you you pin so much on that, and I know why, because you're a filmmaker and you want to give audiences something they've never seen before, which is the yeah. shock. Uh, but to me, it's the it's the same reason when the uh, Godzilla movie came out. What it's like six years ago now or something. Um, yeah. 
everyone moaned that, he, that there wasn't enough Godzilla in it. And I was the other way around. I actually really liked the fact that we didn't get much Godzilla into the end because and I always linked him back to Jaws. I was like, you don't get much shark until the end of Jaws. And people were like, but yeah, it's Godzilla though. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't get... It's the same idea. In my, that's how my brain quantifies it. It's a large monster that kills people. It's coming to wreak havoc. So to me... The build-up to that final "he's here" moment is the is the bit that I want to lean towards. Um, it's probably exactly. worth it's probably worth saying as well if we're talking about like what does this movie do right? John Williams' score is maybe maybe the single greatest like assist to this movie you could hope for. The score itself, everyone, even if you've never seen, like my daughter knows the whole shark thing and she never watched Jaws. So I'm pretty sure that my. My, my girlfriend, she, like, we went and saw it at the drive-in probably, like, a month or so ago when they opened those back up. And she's like, I've never actually seen this movie. But she knows the song anytime that you play the theme. She knows it, you know, flat out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's part of the, the, the zeitgeist. It's part of, it's fully in popular culture. And, I mean, that, that's a testament to what they do. I mean, there's so many great stories about this movie. The, the idea that Spielberg sat in test screenings and saw the reaction of the audience and he got all the scares exactly where he wanted them and he just decided on a whim that, you know, I bet I can get one more big scare. And he puts in the scene that terrified me as a kid, which is the head that falls out um, wow. underwater. And that, like, that yep. genuinely fucked with me. Um and like as as an adult now knowing that Spielberg was just fucking around in the background maybe I'll just put this in uh, maybe I won't maybe I will um, I, you know I mean there's like that kind of flippant approach to, 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 to creating a scene that scars a generation I, I kind of love those details um, or the, like the fact that you know Robert Shaw basically ad-libs his uh, Indianapolis uh, oh, you know uh, monologue which is yeah terrifying like absolutely you hear it as dark it's up there with with you know in fact it's much better but because I'll, I'll quantify this before i get a lot of abuse from people um it's infinitely better but to me it occupies the same space as the the dead dad in the chimney monologue from gremlins yep. like that's where you're going with this <laughs> yeah like when you hear that i don't know, like the, th- the thing is about like as a kid, when you hear either monologue, it doesn't re- resonate how fucking dark it is until you're an adult, and then you pick apart the emotional scars that are both those stories. Um, like, as a kid, I didn't understand what, you know, a ship being sunk in Japanese waters, and yeah, that didn't make, make, make any sense to, like, seven-year-old Duncan. To, to 30-year-old Duncan, he, he totally knows, like, he's read a lot of books and he, he's went through some life experiences and he hears that and that sounds terrifying. So oh, yeah. the, as the, there's those elements as well which I think elevate and then cast. Um, I think, like, the three main characters here turn in a, like, an absolute blind eye and that's before we get to talk about Murray Hamilton who is incredible as Mayor Vaughn. Like, yep. just the sleazeness and slickness and ultimate douchebag politicianness of him is is, per- is perfectly cast. Absolutely wonderful. So I think I think we're what I think we're saying is that this movie might have one or two things that work quite well here, David. Maybe just a few. I don't know. <laughs> Do you have a favourite killer in the movie? I mean, I probably if I'm gonna have to say one, is probably 
Quince just yeah. because it's such like poetic justice is that everything that he kind of relays in that whole speech and everything and just how the obsession and how this shark just keeps getting one over on him that he finally just snaps and it's fitting that he would just you know I'm not going to wear a life vest because I'm never going to go through this again and then his ship is just being torn apart and that's where it kind of gets him finally yeah I'm with you on that one I think I mean it's as as we as horribly poetic that the guy would survive days and days in shark infested water um and like some of the worst shark infested water ever like an actual real horror story by accident you know by not putting himself in that scenario but by ultimately putting himself back in that scenario his his fate preordained you know 30 years before would revisit itself i think that there is a bit of that that's you know just as as horribly poetic um it's also the fact that you know, that thing bites into him and you see it biting him. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's a bloody, bloody kill. And I think that's the payoff, isn't it? Like, because all the other deaths before, it's a bit of blood in the water, someone getting dragged about the place. And then we finally get to see the shark after the chum scene. And then we finally get, you know, Quint, who is that? He is that he is the Rambo of this team. Like, because oh, yeah. what you're leaving, you're leaving a, a kind of a, a rundown cop and a marine biologist to try and survive this neither one equipped the same way that Quint is but they have to rise to that occasion I think when you see that kill and the viciousness of it and Quint's face and the terror actually that has in the end and those black eyes that he talks about in his monologue I think it's just perfect it's, not, it's a perfect fucking scene um, and just horrific <laughs> absolutely horrific I love it I love it so much uh, Not only that, but I just love the like anguish that how good of an actor he is mm. just to like, you know, pretend that he's just being, you know, torn apart by everything there. And like you said, it is pretty bloody too. Because I mean, you keep cutting back to his face where, you know, every time he's got, you know, spitting up blood as it's going and everything too. Yeah. Oh, totally. Absolutely. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's one of those testaments to a great cast Um specifically in that one great design at that point when you want the shark to work it has to work for that scene uh, exactly. and, it, and it does and the special effects work in the score behind it just everything all comes together and it creates magic like absolute movie magic in this one um, the ending of the movie is interesting the, the older like, I always just accept it's an amazing ending but then the older I get the more I hear people go well is it a great ending uh, and I just want to stress yes it's a great ending and um, <laughs> Are you in Camp Great Ender, or does the idea of a, you know, oxygen tank falling into a shark's mouth and being caught haphazardly there, only to be shot to explode the shark, seem a bit far-fetched? For me, I could kind of see, like, when I was younger, I probably thought that way, but... Looking at it now, it's just fitting that the one guy who's terrified of the water would be the one who... He's the one that earlier accidentally pulls the rope where you learn that those are, you know, that it's like explosive and everything. So they set it up that yeah. that has to come back into play. And then it's, of course, this guy who, you know, New York City type cop where he's used to, you know, busting all these, you know, hardened criminals. And he's coming here for a easy sort of life to kind of, you know, just do easy stuff going forward. And then you get this where he just happens to do it. And it's like. That is the way you destroy this thing because no matter what plans they set forward, this thing just keeps overcoming yeah. because, you know, the best laid plans fail. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. I think, uh, you know, 
once again, it's the it's the payoff for character arcs that I really like in this movie. They're yep. all set up really well, and everything is kind of well constructed and and, and satisfyingly pays off. Um, which I think is very difficult to do in a movie at the best of times. Oh yeah. Uh, but the fact you do it in this movie uh, with all the you know all the situation. I mean, like this is this is one of one of these experiences that were first and foremost in Spielberg's head for turning down making the sequel was he had such a miserable time um, making this movie that he did not want to make the second movie um, also like, and he's right, he's like I've made the definitive shark movie, why would I want to do a sequel to it um, Right. and you know I, I, I mean I see where you're coming from Spielberg and people will hear my unashamed love of the second movie and the next the next review coming up after this but um yeah so i think i think we've done what the movie does well but what i really want to know is how big is this list of what the movie doesn't do well do you have many do you have many gripes with this one and i'll I'll stress it is okay to have gripes with this movie and still acknowledge it's a masterpiece i don't have a lot no I will say there are some parts to the score that I don't necessarily love. And it's never to kind of do with any of like the tent scenes. And obviously the the theme song is classic. Like there's, there's nothing against that there. I do feel like there's some of the times with like some of the more upbeat music when they're just kind of like sailing around trying to find things that I could see where it's not the greatest. But I mean, those ones are kind of I feel like more filler songs where you kind of forget that they're there for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's there's a whole kind of whimsical, kind of happy, jolly, we're on the boat, we're travelling along, and I know why it's there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like sometimes it plays almost back to back with dun dun, and you're like, ah, oh, that's a bit yeah. unfortunate. That's a bit unfortunate. That being said, though, he did win an Oscar for his score, so we won't pick oh, it yeah, out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pick it too much. <laughs> um, I think my only gripe with the movie, and we've kind of talked about it as being maybe not so much now, I always struggled to understand why the Tim would take so long to get behind Brody. Um, yep. And now as an adult, and now specifically living through this year, to see how difficult it is to convince people of a danger. Um, oh, yeah. When there's a, a money value attached to said, da- said danger. I, you know, even that gripe, has kind of gone. I will say this, I find the movie a bit long. That was the other one that I had on my list as well. Is I don't that... know what I'd cut out though. Like yep. That's the thing. I, I genuinely don't know what I would remove from the movie, but like exactly. if, if I'm watching Jaws, I'm watching it on a Sunday afternoon, probably yep. before I have my dinner, uh, as a lead into my dinner. I'm not watching this after my dinner because I'm going to be too lethargic. Um, <laughs> But it's like two two hours and five minutes long, which is a long by today's standards, not so much. And maybe even by 75 standards, not so much. But as I kind of, this is the template of what we will now discuss as blockbuster cinema, because this is the first blockbuster movie. Um, You know, it it defines the term, you know, kind of summer blockbuster movie. Um, You know, this is the first one and it's over two hours long. It seems a bit risky. And I mean, but I'm with you though. Like, I don't know what you would cut though, because like watching it back through, I was like, yeah, this is kind of long, but I'm like, but you need this scene here. And Mm -hmm. it's like, then you need to like, you know, the shark cage on there. You need that in there because you need to see that, oh, I've got this half cock plan that we're going to, you know, kill the shark with, but then you need that to fail. And then, but you also need to build up the town early on and 
you know, kind of build up like, well, Brody, you don't really have the evidence to prove any of this. And we did kill this shark. So it's like, what do you cut? Yeah. It's, it, it becomes like a Phil's Aaron trying to work out what you what you remove. Yeah, I think like Jaws, I mean, Jaws is, and I don't want to give away anything here for the end grade. Jaws is a masterpiece. and I mean, it yeah. really, really is. It is mm-hmm. it, as close you will get to a flawless film ever made. And that's acknowledging that I still think there are little bits and bobs that, you know, you could tweak or twist or whatever, certain things that maybe don't age particularly well, but we are now almost what almost 50 years removed from Jaws being made, so, I mean, we can forgive it that. Um, but there are little bits where I'm like, oh, if this was just, you know... But I'm with you. I, if I if I storyboarded this whole movie out and then tried to then start cutting, I don't think I could. Um, but I can still acknowledge that it, it has a deliberate pace. Mm-hmm. And well, you, I have to be in a certain mood to experience that deliberate pace, uh, as opposed to necessarily being a detriment to the movie. It's more a... I need to be in the right mood or have the right amount of allocated time to sit down and watch Jaws. Jaws is not a movie that... There are certain movies, I mentioned them before, if they're on the TV and I was to switch them on and they were 20 minutes into it, I'd probably sit down and watch it. Jaws is not one of them. Jaws, to me, weirdly, has always been linked with... If I'm, you know, Jaws is a start-to-finish movie for me. It's not a kind of, oh, watch the, you know, the last 20 minutes of Jaws is on the telly. Let me just sit down and watch all the action stuff. I just can't do that. I, I feel it's almost been disrespectful. It's like I'm taking a piss and um, Steven Spielberg's swimming pool. You know, that's not nice. He didn't ask for it. He's mortified. I'm upset that I got caught. You know what I mean? I'm not, we're not going to do that. But I feel um, like he's earned that respect where we, uh, we we can't do that to him. Yeah, he's done enough. I mean, he's he's, he's had he's had maybe one or two big hits. You know, maybe, you know. a Spielberg guy might go far. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, yeah, that's cool. Right, so the third question is always the easiest question if you are the first person on the series which is in terms of the overall franchise to this point which means there is no franchise uh, does the movie jump the shark pun intended uh, or do anything you know egregious which we can't answer so what I'll do is I'll set up a scenario here now you've seen Jaws 2 have you? yes I actually in prep was starting to watch the series so that way I was, you know, ready to go no matter what. So I have watched Jaws 2, actually. Nice. That is good to know. So the original plan for Jaws 2, right, the original idea or script for Jaws 2 was not what you saw on the screen. It wasn't even remotely what you saw on the screen. The original script writer um, decided that what he wanted to do was do a prequel to Jaws. Uh, and I know your eyes are starting to roll because you're thinking, well, are we going to follow the shark story? No, we're not following the shark story. Uh, if anything, we're going to follow Quint's story. And we're actually going to go back to the event on the Indianapolis and the shark picking off all the the people in the water. It was going to be very fucking dark. And we can kind of see why Universal maybe swayed away from it for the family-friendly Jaws 2 that they, they ended up making. But... Knowing that Jaws 2 is ostensibly just a rehash of Jaws, yeah. I mean, it, is, it fits most of the beats, it's just a different ending. Um, if you had to do a sequel to Jaws, uh, which would be the one you think you could mine the most and still make the most money from? Because there's one that's infinitely more fa- fascinating than the other one, but I don't think as many people go and see that movie as what did become Jaws 2. No, because I mean, 
I'm a big fan of depressing movies. So obviously this Quint one really just kind of got me giddy. And I wish that it was out there mm-hmm. just because I would love to see, you know, how bleak that type of things. I mean, I'm starting to envision it of being like the life of pie. Just you got a bunch of guys that are just getting picked off by sharks. So mm-hmm. it's not going to be nearly as, you know, uplifting and everything. Having watched Jaws 2, I can understand completely why the studio would go that way. Because, I mean, I enjoyed it. And it is, though, a mirror pretty much. You're just, you know, subbing out the three main characters for one. And then you're making it a little bit younger by having the kids go out and do what they did. Yeah. I think, to me, wearing my studio exec hat, it has to be Jaws 2. It has to be the way it is. Um, But as the, the person that likes challenging cinema or likes something that I've just... I don't think I've ever seen... I mean, there will be now. There'll be some shark. There's been about a million shark movies in the last month. Right. Um, there'll be some shark movie out there which does a bit of that. But for the time period, you imagine how dark that movie is. That movie could end up being more iconic than Jaws if done right. Um, oh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You got a young, a young, uh, young Quint in there. God knows what happens. Um... Next question I'm going to ask you, which I'm just throwing in off the back of this one. Favorite character out of Brody, Quentin, Hooper. Who do you, who do you who do you enjoy as a character the most, and why? For me, especially after this last viewing, is Quint. Mm-hmm. Just because he is, I mean, he's such a badass character. Where like the initial scene where you meet him, where he you know just nails on a chalkboard, getting everybody's attention, and is like calling him out, being like, "You guys are all a proud town." If it's either you pay me what I want or you're going to end up being on welfare come winter time and just getting up and, you know, mic dropping everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but then he's such a dick to Hooper, who I would probably say Hooper might've been my favorite character when I'm younger, just because, you know, as a kid, I probably at one point wanted to be, you know, his, you know, job and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But I like that he's a dick to him because it's kind of like how you see with people on social media right now, where it's like, I have life experiences. You're fresh out of college. This is why I don't agree with your opinion. Cause you just don't know things, but you actually kind of see the more you get to him that Quint is a much deeper character and he's got just some issues with himself. And he does kind of at times recognize that yes, Hooper is somebody I can give some respect to, but once you learn why he, the way he's the way he is, it's just like, Oh, Okay, yeah, makes a whole lot of sense now. Yeah, he's got a lot of baggage with him. And interestingly enough, I think like Hooper's like weirdly always been my favorite, and he still is. But I think a lot of where Hooper becomes as a character and the reasons I like him so much and gravitate him so much is because Quint essentially molds him. You know, yep. as those interactions force him to take stances and act in ways that that character would not have acted that way before. You know what I mean? He's, he's like yeah. you say, he's right. He's, he's kind of, he's, he's young, he's green. And um, Quint is kind of stuck in his ways, but with all that life experience. And there is, uh, there is a, somewhere between the two, there is an interesting crossover. Yeah. I, I think by the end of this movie, Hooper is, Essentially, he's, he's far more aggressive than he would have been before, but he's got that savvy knowledge and he, he understands the price the team has paid. Um, it's weird because, like, Brody's the character I never really. I get his sentiments and I get his. You know, I, I understand his position and I understand his authority in the movie. I just 
don't find him a, a likeable character <laughs> um, at all. And it's nothing to do with the way that uh, Schneider plays him because I think he plays him great. He's just not the character I would ever really gravitate to. And weirdly, I think the movie is set up in such a way that that is a character you're supposed to... He's a guy, He's you know, he's the hero of the movie. He's the, he's the guy. Um, but, you know, I end up gra- gravitating more more towards super uh, which was a sneaky question I flung in there um, <laughs> right you either have to recommend I thought this is going to be a good one you either have to recommend this movie or not recommend this movie I think we know where you're going with on this one David uh, you may surprise me but I think we know um, <laughs> if you are going recommend or not recommend you have to pick a scene from the movie to justify your position what is your stance and what's your scene um, I mean there's no way that I couldn't recommend this mm. movie. It's just, I mean, as we said, it's a masterpiece. It's a classic. It's, you know, all of those praises that you need for it. The scene, though, I mean, younger me might not necessarily agree, but the scene that I would recommend for people is that night scene where they all kind of let loose and they start drinking because it's so jovial where you see that, you know, Quint and Hooper finally bond mm. as they're showing, you know, their war scars. And then like you bring up, it goes the whole like gremlins type thing where you just have this super depressing story. And then you end it back though, full circle where they start to sing. And then the shark is like, I'm not having this and attacks them. I just think the range of everything you get there is just why this is a masterpiece. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent. It should surprise no one uh, that that's my favorite scene. And it's for all the reasons you get, so many levels of human interaction, emotion, um, playfulness, acting ability, script, everything is probably as good as it will get in cinema in those, you know, 10 minutes. Uh, the setup and the, the, you know, the, and the payoff at the end, which, which is what I love because you get everyone finally bonds and, you know, quite almost like lifts this burden of a story off his shoulders and all the rest. And within 15 minutes is no longer a character in the movie. So it's, you know, I mean, it is that, it is that, you know, um, I retire tomorrow. Bang, you're dead. Uh, is, is that sort of level? I, I, I mean, I love, I love how cinema can toy so blatantly with your emotions and get away with it. It, it makes me happy. Um, <laughs> right. Let's, let's bring this in then. I, I mean, now, once again, I, I feel I know where this is going. Uh, as you are more than well aware, David, what we do over here is we do some Netflix gradings. It's one through five. One is hated it. Two is didn't like it. Three is liked it. Four is really liked it. Five is loved it. We're going to grade Jaws here. I will put my cards down on the table right now. Shocking no one. Jaws is a five-star movie for me. I think it's, you know, it's up there amongst the best of the genre ever made. It's the movie that everyone that has made any creature feature kind of animal run amok movie since will always get compared to rightly or wrongly. Um, It's a five-star movie for me. Where are you coming in with your grade, sir? I mean, I'm right there with you. I mean, it's a five out of five for me. And I mean, kind of going off of what you're saying that everybody always gets... uh, you know, compared to this one, I mean, I don't know how many times in reviews, you know, written and, you know, recorded reviews have heard people being like, well, this is just a Jaws ripoff. And I mean, for good reason. I mean, you're always striving for perfection and this is what you have right here. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Amazing. Now, David, I said at the start here that you are now not only doing like 
as written reviews as well as your podcast. Um, where can people check out your podcast, your written stuff? Is there any social media you want to plug? Yeah, sure. Um, I usually share all of my stuff. The best way probably to find it would be Letterbox, as I do put everything on there once I've actually shared it. And I'm David OSU on Letterboxd. But if you're friends with me on any social media, I also share it over there. And my podcast, uh, Journey with a Cinephile, a horror movie podcast, should be, I believe, I made sure that it's on all of the major podcasting apps. Nice, nice. Thank you very much for jumping over, buddy, to do this with me. Kicking off the seas in style, setting a high benchmark may I say um, it's always great chatting to you thank you very much I don't get enough opportunity to say it um, using the old voice here uh, specifically when you have a voice as well um, but thanks very much for all you do on Movie Club uh, where to begin with Jalo and just generally being a, an interactive member of the group it means a lot to me it means that you make my job very easy when I'm asking for things <laughs> I know I don't have to go around chasing things up which is trust me it's just one less thing I need to worry about and it, that, you know, it, it's, it's something I can't thank you enough for. You also do have, like I say, that kind of imaginary golden ticket now that if there's okay. anything you want to do, anywhere down the line at all, don't wait for me to get back in touch with you because it will not happen. So stress that here. Yeah, so you're a very busy person, so I completely I for, understand. I forget. Like the way the way things happen is people have to pursue me or they don't happen. So yeah, just give me a shout for whatever you want to do. If there's a movie that you've always wanted to hear me discuss and want to jump in on it, jump in on it. Or if there's anything at all, even if it's entry into another Russian roulette, just let me know and we will get you back on, buddy. Sounds great to me. Appreciate it. Nice. Right. Ladies and gents, we're gonna take a short break, but do not worry. I promise you two movie reviews on this episode. So you're going to get promos for shows that I love. You're going to get the trailer for Jaws 2 when we return. Oh, Lacey Lou is joining me. She is also making her podcast Under the Stairs debut. She this year is on the Teapot Summer Series People's Council as well. Very much like David here. So that makes me infinitely fucking happy to have a new voice over here. Plus... This is a long time coming. Me and Lacey have been chatting for a while, so I'm very much looking forward to Jaws 2, the review coming right up, right after this. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com the psychosemantic podcast jaws 2 the terror continues vast and unknown depths of the ocean. How could there have been only one? I think we may have another shark problem. Are you serious? 
Roy Scheider. Oh, that's my dad. The whole beach looks incredible. Lorraine Gary. <laughs> and Murray Hamilton. Look at this. That's a shark. You started a panic on a public beach. Now, what if somebody decides to sue us? That's a shark. Did you ever stop to think about that? And I know what a shark looks like because I've seen one up close. And you better do something about this one because I don't intend to go through that hell again. Don't press it this time. Mike is out there. fantasies of evil can compare with the reality of Jaws. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So here we are, second movie review of this Russian Roulette franchise retro, looking at the Jaws franchise. Very excited about this review. This is one of those occasions where I invite to the fold a new voice, um, one that has never been heard on podcasts under the stairs, but I'm sure if you are knowledgeable, which I know you are, and you are savvy, then you have heard this lady before knock it out of the park, as she will do on this episode. It is my privilege and pleasure at this time to bring over one of the podcasters of Cut to the Chase. She also podcasts on their here podcast. I can't do the voice, but I tried it. Um, that'd be scary, coming out of a Scottish accent. Oh, no. um, it's his own horror movie and it's one, right? Uh, and she also writes for pophorror.com. As of course, Phenomenal Lacey. How are you doing? Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. How are you today? I am brilliant. Now, this is exciting for me because I hadn't seen Jaws 2 in, oh, easily, easily over a decade. Maybe two decades because I am that old. Uh, but this was a first time watch for you. It was a first time watch. Yeah. So I was excited. I didn't know, uh, you know, it's really fun how you do the Russian roulette and like, <laughs> Um, it's like in such anticipation when you're doing the drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one that I didn't want um, in was Jaws because that was the one that I had seen. So, yeah. um, I mean, and there's nothing against that movie at all whatsoever. I know it's coveted and loved, but I wanted something I hadn't seen. So, yeah, it's always, um, a, really- <laughs> it's always a good opportunity to, to stretch out. I mean, I've got I've had all the Blu-rays sitting there since they put them out and I have seen part of 3D and... <laughs> I'm sure I know the ending of Jaws of Revenge, but I've never watched that movie. And so this gives me an opportunity to round off this franchise for myself. But it gives me, like, there's two ways of looking at things, right? There's the, the, like, the way that I love the Russian roulettes working is that whole kind of, it's the sorting hat from Harry Potter. Like, the more you're sitting there going, not Slytherin, not Slytherin, you will end up in Slytherin. Um, so, like, Mike Merriman was like, not four, not four. And I was like, the more you, the fates will conspire, it's not four, not four, boom, four. And that's what happens. And that, that makes me very, very happy to see that happen. Uh, but the fact of everyone else was like, yeah, you just give me something, I'll be cool with that. And then two land you out. And I was like, this one great opportunity for you to tick it off your list. Two great opportunity yeah. for me to revisit. And three, great opportunity for us to finally chat. So Finally, yes. yeah. Yeah, you are involved with the Summer Series. You are one of the adjudicators. 
uh, with your other half. I was going to say better half, but I know better. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, with Dan Chase, um, you guys have been diligently working away in the background, uh, assisting me um, as part of the People's Council, creating a, a kind of alternate list to the the one on the main show. And yeah, I was I was kind of like, yeah, we need to record at some point. So the fates have gently smiled upon us, and as a result, we get to do Jaws 2 from 1978. Um, This is one of these... I don't know if this is the first example of a studio going, oh shit, that movie's a hit, let's make a sequel. Um, It kind of feels like... Because Jaws is widely regarded as the the template for the summer blockbuster. It's the one that kind of creates the summer blockbuster. And I'm trying to think if there was any big heavy hitting movies before that I probably say there were maybe not in this genre but this to me is the kind of classic example of like we we need to make a movie Spielberg says he doesn't want to do it we need to make the movie this director can't really, oh, we need to make the movie and it's like through sheer force of will and doing a bit of research on this kind of mm-hmm. uh, on the run up this morning I didn't realise that the original script for this was set as a prequel, so not as a sequel. And they had it set like basically during the the Second World War. So the story that Quint tells about the Indianapolis, it was going to be set then. And the studio thought it was a bit dark. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> did, <laughs> did you not hear the story? <laughs> like that's not but that's not getting like like a PG status or you know there's absolutely no way that's getting released as a PG, which this movie was. Um I thought that was hilarious and ultimately what they did was just make the movie again. <laughs> as yeah, no, I I didn't know that so So yeah weird, weird, <laughs> weird stuff that comes out. Uh, so this one is directed by Strap Yourselves In for the Bad Pronouncements uh or pronunciation. Uh Jean-Wa Sizwak. That, that's not how that's not how you pronounce his name, but it is in my head, and that's what we're sticking with. Close enough. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it sounded it sounded sophisticated in my head. It did in my head. Uh, Roy Schneider's in this. Lorraine Gray, Murray Hamilton, Joseph mm, <laughs> Mascolo, Jeffrey Kramer, Colin Wilkins, Paxton, and Dunsbury, Mark Gruner, Barry Cole, other folks. Synopsis for this one is listed on the MDB is. Police Chief Brody must protect the citizens of Amity after a second monstrous shark begins terrorising the waters. So this could be interesting. Also sounds vaguely familiar to the previous movie's plot. Uh, Lacey, you landed this one here. I do a little kind of four-question assault upon you. I say assault. It's not that bad. Um, <laughs> it really, really isn't, unless you have like tons of negative things to say, and then it can feel like an assault on the movie. The first question is always the same, and it's what, if anything, does Jaws 2 do right? Um, you know, um, what I felt it did right, um, it was kind of, it's interesting because I've only seen the first one and I'd only seen Jaws, um, the first one twice. So Mm -hmm. uh, the OG, as I call it, as you said, um, (laughs) I have only seen it twice. And, um, the first time I seen it was just like two years ago. Mm. So I'm not like extremely nostalgic to it. Like a lot of people are, I know it's a lot of people's favorite movie of all time. Um, but for me, I'm not extremely nostalgic to it. So 
Um, it was fun to watch this one. And ironically, I feel like this one is the least talked about that I see in the horror community. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I see people bash three and four all the time and then just mad love for, you know, the OG. And then I just have never even heard anybody talk about this movie until, you know, um, I put my name in the ring for it and mm -hmm. then a few comments. But aside from that, I have never heard anybody talk about it. So I was like, is it just bad or... So I didn't know what to expect going in. And, you know, I was I was really, really happy with it. Um, I think that it ups the kills. Mm -hmm. um, I feel um, I love that they um, instead of doing the prequel, I love that it is a direct sequel. I mean, it's kind of funny that it's a different shark terrorizing um, Brody. <laughs> but um, I, I think this shark was a little bit meaner, mm -hmm. um, you know, and like I said, they up the kills. Um, there's some really fun scenes in it, which we'll get into. Um, but I had a blast with it. I think that the cinematography was great as well. Um, I love the, that final scene. Um, I feel oh, yeah. like, I feel like it was kind of a little bit more epic than the original in mm -hmm. that sense for that, for the final killing of Jaws. <laughs> yeah. I think it, like to me coming back to, I, I could remember like kind of key moments in the movie. Like I remember like, the kind of Brody thinks there's a shark, no one believes him again. You know, right. like what you would think if there was anyone in the town of Amity, you would believe it's the you know the, the guy shouting shark because he was the guy that shouted shark last time. And um, but it's, it's I mean it's interesting to see how the town kind of look at him now in, in a lot of respects. There's that scene where he you know he storms into the <laughs> kind of town elders um, with the, the yeah he's like he walks right in with this bit. Of, you know, it's a photograph. And I mean, to me, it's not evident there's a shark there. Right. But he can see the outline. And the, I think the, the kind of standout line, you know, is that, you know, he's already lived through this once and he's, you know, he's, he's, he can't live through it again. And you can take that one of two ways. You can take that from the point of view of, you know, he's got, the, he's basically saying that the town is in danger and he, he you know, he, he can't be the last bastion of hope for the town again. But the other side of that is the stress that has put him under, and I like that of them. Well, he's losing it. He's just shot bullets like, in a crowded <laughs> beach, and now he's waving a, a bit of paper with a smudge on it in front of us. And you know, this guy, this guy's lost it. You know, the trauma has finally caught up with him. Yeah, it's like he has PTSD. Exactly. I mean, I mean, if you've seen one of your homeboys get yeah. eaten by a shark before, um, that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> that would do it for me. So, but I just, you're right. I mean, he's a fun character, um, especially like his journey in this one. Mm -hmm. um, because why are people not believing him? He's been through it before, but I get the, you know, the, the level of crazy that he's seeing. Um, but I mean, he's also policing a beach. Uh, <laughs> you know, as yeah. to, I mean, he's the, he's the town sheriff. And, um, but I mean, all you ever do is see him like, police a shark pull over pull over yeah. do, you know, do you know how fast you were going do you know how fast you were going um there's, there's a, yeah, it's a holiday it's a holiday destination as well so you imagine the town is kind of half populated most of the year out with like kind of summer spring maybe a bit of the fall but you know what i mean it's not it, I, I imagine he's not dealing with multiple murders uh, with sharks killing so yeah i i i'd see where it's interesting he's like the whole idea of um roy schneider coming back 
once again reading into the facts about this movie in the background Schneider didn't, did not want to do this movie at all had no. N- <laughs> no interest in doing it he basically said very much like Spielberg we've done the definitive short movie I don't know what you think we can do in a sequel and he was supposed to star in The Deer Hunter and famously about four weeks before shooting decided he didn't want to be in The Deer Hunter anymore I believe he'd had conflicts with the director so he pulled out of that but Universal had him under a three movie contract so they paid him a lot of money and he agreed to do this uh, to do this movie as a way to buy out his contract essentially but he felt that he was doing this movie to humanise Brody more, which when you look at that, I imagine that's where the the kind of the bit of alcoholism comes in, the the kind of tension that he's under in the town. I, I get the feeling that that's maybe his contribution here. Is you know this guy's like weathered from the four years of the first attack. He's back. He you know he's 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 got the trauma. He's got the PTSD that you're saying. I like those elements. Also, for the most part like the fact that the setup here like we are not getting a huge amount of time before the shark they're like right. the shark is like right at the start <laughs> it's like <laughs> and they're not messing around with it at all and you really can't in a sequel like we don't want another we're going to build this is not Friday the 13th part 2 where we've got you know like a new killer and we're setting it up like the first movie before you know in the case of this one we know it's about a shark we know right. they're in the same town and all the rest might as well get through it and it seems like it's a bigger shark and I love the addition of the scars to the shark to make it a bit gnarlier um, and like small details like that I think are brilliant in this movie. I love the fact that for the most part we have Brody back, uh, same actress that played his wife, so Ellen's back. Uh, she looks better in this film. She too, looks she younger. Better. She looks so much she younger. <laughs> she, I don't know what she's been doing, but I want the recipe. I, I uh, think she was having an affair with the other guy. I mean, that's kind of the vibe that I got. It's implied. One... It's implied. Yeah, he, right. <laughs> he says, "I don't know what." He, I think he says more than once, "I don't know what I'd do without her." And Brody's like, that's my fucking wife. <laughs> right. <laughs> right that's underlying. <laughs> um, Which might be adding to, you know, Brody's level of crazy. <laughs> with these levels of stress. I've, like, I will always respect a man who's, let's celebrate your promotion measure of Jack Daniels is half a tumbler. <laughs> you know I mean? If that's your measurement, you're my sort of friend. Um, I also love the fact that the, the original mayor's back as well. And his he's a really interesting character in this one because he is fully dismissive until things are too late in the first movie. And in this movie, he is weirdly stuck between knowing what has happened the previous four years and what might happen this time and what is likely to happen if he goes against Brody but at the same time he understands his power base are these the, the remaining people on this kind of town council and I think you get like a really there's that scene just before Brody starts shooting up the beach and he's up in the, the kind of watchtower <laughs> and like he's just like constantly like pacing around staring and the mayor, he's like all jovial until the point that he clocks him up there and then every couple of seconds he starts staring at the man that's staring out of the water and then, you know, you get these, there's like a, almost like Chinese whispers of people staring at someone who's staring at someone who's staring at someone who's staring at, at Brody. Um, and I love that aspect. He just, he's, he's an interesting character. also says a lot where he's the only one that doesn't kind of vote to boot Brody off 
his position as you know the police chief. He's the only one that votes in favour. The the remaining ones are all the ones that boot him off. And I think there's a weird sign of loyalty there, which they don't go into too much of that. And that's that's maybe on the the negative aspects for the movie. But I enjoy that, and I'm with you 100. percent The kills. <laughs> well, I love that the little girl was more intelligent. <laughs> yeah. Can you hear me? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally did that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I like cut out. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, no, I love, like I, um, no, the little girl was smarter than the mayor. Yeah, <laughs> when she's like, uh, no, that's a shark tower. <laughs> yeah, that's what that is. By the way, that's <laughs> all right. Um, the, the kills are like to go back to to kills in this. The kills are great, and they're 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 frequent and they're many, and they get more. Like this shark is infinitely more conniving. Then yeah, he's so previous, much more menacing. Yeah, he's like, I'm just going to cripple all these boats, and now you <laughs> must make a flotilla, which makes you one giant floating snack, as opposed to many smaller snacks. I don't like the idea of the buffy table situation here. I just like all on one plate. Um, and I mean, this this shark takes down a helicopter. I mean, what what more? <laughs> what more can you ask for? I've never read about a shark taking down a helicopter, but after seeing it in this movie, I'm wondering why we don't hear about it more often. That's awesome. I really, really like that. What did you think of the score for this um, movie? Obviously, um, I don't think it's as iconic as the first one. Yep. Um, But I feel like it worked to its advantage in this as well. Um, I think it needed probably more or less of more from the original, like to have more taunting music. Because the shark is more taunting in this. Mm -hmm. And I think the shark is more scary than the first one. You know, I mean... There, he's not like killing up um, Alex Kittner, I think was his name. Yeah. Um, was the scary part in the first one, but this one, I mean, scared a lady so bad <laughs> that um, she decides to instead of get killed by the shark, she decides to put gasoline on herself, mm-hmm. like and just blow herself up essentially. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know how I, if there's like a manual if you're like a jet ski owner, um, a boat owner that you're taking somebody out and they are like, okay, so if you see a shark, just let's ignite ourselves on fire and try to take out the shark. Like you're making the sacrifice <laughs> for the greater good of the ocean. <laughs> yeah, o- Operation Wicker Man is a go. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm with you on that one. It, it seems a bit strange. It has like one of my favorite like kills in this movie is the one which is maybe the most simplistic and it's the girl uh, who is like jet skiing behind the yeah. boat and she's just moving along and then all of a sudden she's just not there anymore right and i think that's like it's on one level infinitely more terrifying than anything in the first movie because uh, it, it is just the idea of i'm looking around she's there i'm looking around she's there i look around she's not Enjoy there life. yeah <laughs> <laughs> just no one there and um like the fact that the shark then decides to pick her off as well, to the point, you know, I, I think that's great. You know, what I mean, I, I, I like the viciousness of right. it in here. Yeah, I think it's it works to its advantage. And weirdly, I mean, this in terms of its certification is a lower certification than Jaws. So, well, at least it is in the UK. I don't know what it was in the in the states, but it's a lower certification. Yet there's a higher body count. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, one, I think aside from the chick dousing herself in gasoline for the greater good, um, I also really liked the the guy, the couple that is out on the lake or, mm. or ocean. I've been, I'm from Iowa. Forgive me. I don't have an ocean. Yeah. Here, but I'm out on the ocean, the couple and the guy, you know, he's in the water 
and Jaws or the shark. I, I don't know what to call him. <laughs> um, Jaws is fine. <laughs> uh, okay. And, um, you know, you just see how fast he's going with um, carrying the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, the boy, and it just rams him <laughs> into the side of the boat. <laughs> and, like, you just hear the thud. And I like I don't know like you could just that just shows you how mean this shark is in this one. Oh yeah, he's he's just, he's a son of a bitch. And Tina, the poor girl who's stuck on the boat, called Tina as well. I'm going to assume yeah. named after her. Um, otherwise, weird coincidence. Uh, when they finally get to the boat and like Brody pulls her out, and you know, <laughs> Brody doesn't do he doesn't do consoling either. As soon as she starts getting hysterical, it's like Ellen. <laughs> let me pass this let me pass this irrational woman to a woman and I'm like yeah is that, the 70s were a different time um, and she is a brilliant acting here by by this actress um, that, that kind of when she finally manages to get the word shark out and it says ear piercing terrified scream and you're just like the trauma that she's been under and we know she's not been on the water that long but she has just seen her her, her boyfriend brutally massacred in front of her and there's nothing she could have done. Like, she can't go and rescue him because shark. Um, and, you know, he couldn't save himself because shark. So I, I love those aspects in the movie. I also think yeah. you hit the nail on the head. I think, and it may be controversial to people out there, I prefer the ending to this movie because it is so fucking ridiculous. Um... And, and they go out their way <laughs> earlier on in the movie. Was well, that a power line we've hooked? And I'm like, oh, yes. Yeah, please. the foreshadowing. Yeah, please bring this back later on. Uh, and is that, is that Scooby-Doo moment where, like, it's mentioned at, like, 15 minutes into the movie, then never again until the shark chomps down. Um, and it's awesome. It's, it's so, so good. It makes me, you know, it... it it, it does my heart a lot of good to, to see that on the screen. Um, let's let's pivot this. Uh, we're talking about lots of good things here. Tons of good things. And people may be surprised at that because, like you see, no one really yeah. speaks about Jaws 2. So maybe it's because there's a lot of bad things. No, what, I'm surprised. Yeah. What, <laughs> if anything, in Jaws 2 do you not like? Um, I thought the opening was weak. Mm. Um, I thought, you know... Can- you know, you got to compare it to one of the most iconic movies of all time, the OG. Yes. Um, the opening to that film is just, you know, so iconic. And this one, it was kind of lackluster. I mean, you got a scuba diver, but I think it's kind of cool at the same time because it's referencing the orca mm-hmm. and um, which, you know, it's throwing it back. However, that opening kill, it's just wh- why do we care about the scuba diver that's looking up the orca? Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, I mean, give me somebody that I care about or some dumbass that I feel deserves it, mm-hmm. you know, something. Um but yeah, I thought the opening was just a little bit weak. But I mean, I guess it does foreshadow again, you know, with the camera dropping. And that's probably where he gets the yeah. picture, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I get it. I just, I, I'm I'm a big fan of, or I'm not a big fan of off-screen kills. Mm-hmm. Um, so I needed, I, I get it, that the movie's like, what, PG-13, you said? Uh, yeah, it's pretty, well, yeah, I think that's classed as PG in the States. Um, okay. PG-13 in the States is PG over here. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I just felt like it's a little bit... I mean, that was my biggest problem that I had with 2018 Halloween Kills... Or not Halloween Kills, but Halloween 2018 was there's so many off-screen kills. And, I mean, you're known at this point, like, you want to see some carnage. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I I feel like I get it later more so, but for an opening of one of the most iconic movies of all time, it just felt weak. Yeah, well, there's no blood at all in the water. 
Like no. these, these these two scuba divers get mauled by a shark, and we see one of them being kind of almost the you know we see him get chomped down on kind of off screen like you were talking about, but the blood doesn't appear in the water, which. I understand we're going for a lesser rating and stuff like that, but, you know, we have just watched Jaws, what, two years before this, so we know we know what we want as an audience, and if you're going to ramp up the kills, we kind of need that gnarliness in there as well. And it doesn't... I'm with you, the, the opening seems... it seems very rushed, and I, another thing that I, I don't particularly like is the try... There's this kind of almost suggested, well, maybe the shark heard the other shark's pain from the previous movie and then <laughs> it just took him four years to swim up here and then because like Brody and maybe I'm maybe the timeline's all but Brody does use the line when he's essentially fired or ousted that you know what a waste of four years and we know that within his first couple of months um he that's when the first jaws attacks happen so the chronology would would kind of seem to imply like a couple of years on, but he does have this like conversation with this not quite Richard Dreyfus character, this woman who comes right. in, who's uh, uh, Doctor Elkins, who's kind of amazing because she's really kind of like, uh, right? You think it's a shark? Why do you think it's a shark? Well, this, this, and this, and she's like, right. But you are aware that this is a mammal and not a fish, and he's like, right. Well, these are semantics, right? Like, like she's very pedantic with her, de- and I, I get a feeling that someone who specialises in marine biology would be kind of pedantic the same way we are when someone says you know um the, the you know uh, when frankenstein throws a little girl in the water and you're like well that's frankenstein's monster frankenstein's the doctor you know like that pedantic way you get as a horror fan i, I kind of like this idea that that just any profession you're in or any interest you have this little pedantic tick but he, there's an insinuation and it's never they never explain why this bigger meaner shark is in waters which the doctor herself has said sharks don't usually come here and in the previous movie it was unusual because sharks were in the water that this just bigger meaner shark would be there and Brody's kind of well maybe could it have heard it's sonar signal and I'm like well sharks don't have sonar like you know it's just kind of I don't know it's like they're playing with ideas to justify something and I'd much rather they didn't at all I'd much rather just said oh look happenstance just so happens another sharks appeared in anime who would have thought it global warming or like something anything um it's funny like my, my um theory was I said this to Dan as we were watching it this morning um I was like this shark is kind of like Mrs. Loomis and he's mm-hmm. like, what? He's like, please do not say that on the podcast. Everybody's going to think you're nuts. Nope. And I was like, oh, no. I was like, I was like, it's like the sequel. You know, like how it's just so random that Mrs. Loomis comes back to try to kill Sydney. you know, and Scream mm-hmm. 2. Sorry, spoilers. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> I mean, if you haven't seen Scream 2 by now, like, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but, I mean, it's. So, I mean, obviously she's doing it for revenge. And so, like, I guess I'm thinking that's probably what Jaws the Revenge is about in some aspect. I have no but, idea um, what that movie's about at all. Out with the fact that Michael Caine has a famous story that he bought a house and got a trip to the Bahamas. And that's the only reason he did it. <laughs> so. I just know the shark roars. But <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's like the only thing that I've heard. So I haven't seen it either. But um, yeah, no, I... I, I one of the other downfalls of this movie, I feel, is that um, the fact that they don't believe him. I mean, there's yeah. a scene where the well is clearly eaten up by a shark. Mm-hmm. 
And so I feel like people would know about this by now because, and they still don't believe him because I believe the gun, um, him shooting the gun is after the whale has been brought up to shore. Yep. And so, I mean, it's, it just doesn't feel coherent for them not to believe him at this point because I'm pretty sure that's what happened in the original. Yeah, it's, it's exactly what happens in the original. So it's, 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 there's no sense to it at all. <laughs> Yeah, to why they don't believe him. Like, before they were, like, all scared. But, I mean, I get it because, um, I mean, it's kind of like the COVID thing going on right now. Like, mm-hmm. people are still going to go out and do what they want to do. Yeah. And, and so it's kind of like that in this instance. I think people just didn't want to believe it. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one because you you can't... The, the same... It's, it's essentially... Re- instead of coming away with something wholly original... And I understand why the studio doesn't do that because... Like the writer's like, I've got this really cool story, but the studio's like, look, this movie made all the money, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> literally every penny, like it now has right in the coffers, so it, it made all the money. So this is the formula, and we are a studio, and studios know one thing: if you do A, B, and C, and A, B, and C does gangbusters and money then the next movie is A, B, and C. It's not A, B, and D. Because A, B, and D is untested, it's unreliable, and we don't know how much money it'll make, so we're not going to put that much money into it. So I get it. So we follow the same beats, we go through the same thing. Uh, you know, the, the the easiest way to get around that is set it somewhere else. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Set it, like, same scenario somewhere else. Um, but no, we, you know, we need Roy Schneider back in here because... He's our Chief Brody, and everyone loves Chief Brody. And, you know, we're going to go through these steps. But I'm with you. This movie is just under two hours long, which feels needless considering, what, 25 minutes of this movie, maybe 30 minutes of this movie, is ostensibly Brody trying to convince someone who's already convinced in a town that he's already saved from exactly the same scenario that the same scenario might be happening. And no one even gives him the benefit of the doubt to say, well, you know what, we'll, t- we'll take... We'll take, we'll take it under advisement or whatever. It's just a case of, no, you're crazy. And it, yeah, I'm with you. That, to me, feels like a colossal misstep in yeah, character but, I mean, writing. To be fair, the town in the first film is very dumb to begin with. I mean, they capture the, the fake shark mm-hmm. <laughs> or that they think is Jaws or, um, you know, the shark. And it's so small and it has no teeth. And so, I mean, how would that little shark that they caught think that this is the one that's in the water to begin with? So just referencing that back from the first one. So these, this town is incredibly dumb to begin with. I mean, look at who they elected for mayor. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, so I get that they don't believe it. I just don't like it at this point. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, it feels it feels like a, a weird conceit for the movie as well. I think there's, I think you make the movie a bit shorter by removing as much doubt, you know what I mean? After maybe the first thing, maybe you're overreacting. After the wheel washes up, right, maybe we take a look at it, but we still think you're maybe coming in a bit heavy-fisted here. But by the third event, right, you know, we're we're going we're gonna to take a bigger look into this and find out what's going on. But it feels like, like tooth and nail all the way through the movie, right up to near the end, they are arguing with Brody, and I just don't feel that feels like something that would be happening in this movie and to me that's where there's issues there's definitely there's definitely issues from that point of view for sure i also don't like there's a whole kind of setup here which i mean ultimately leads to the end but 
I kind of feel that, it, not even crass, crass is the wrong word, I just don't think it's in keeping with the tone of Jaws, that, you know, as a as a kind of franchise in the second instalment, that we just have a, a whole lot of horny teens. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know there was, like, the, there were scenes of skinny dipping and stuff like that in the first movie, but I'm not, I just, I, to me it feels... Once again, the movie I don't think needs it. There's no, we don't need other reasons for people to be out in the water. There are plenty of reasons for people to be out in the water. So, I mean, it just feels like a kind of long tangent to get to a setup to have a lot of teens at the end. You know what I mean? Out and out and different. Where they're sailing. Yeah, I, I just, it's, it's a weird way to get there is because obviously Brody wants his son to get a job and then when he thinks there's a shark there he forces a job on his son his son's obviously infatuated with this girl and I mean it just feels like it's a long way to get to that and once again with a movie that clocks in just under two hours I kind of feel like what's the point? yeah yeah really what's the point? there's a a million ways we can get kids out in the water Um, right it just feels weird you know what I mean and it's there's that like we spend not a huge amount of time, but we do spend a bit of time with, you know, these teens having fun. Like, and, and it's not, it's obviously to set up that, but it feels like we start that process really early in the movie when we could have just had a scene, like later on in the movie of, oh, by the way, we're taking some boats out to the the lighthouse tomorrow. Do you want to come along? Oh, my dad says, oh, chicken, chicken or what? You know, something along those lines, and it just happens, um, and it doesn't pay off really in any well, satisfying way. Yeah, that and the fact that it is Brody's sons that mm-hmm. are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like, why does Brody not care that? It, I mean, obviously he does, but like, you don't really see like, do not go into the water. Like, if if I was a parent, my kids would be nowhere near the beach if I believed there was a shark out there. Yeah, the, the parents would be staying with the grandparents, you know. Something, right? Yeah, and then, anything. I mean, Ellen's obviously off, you know, screwing the other dudes. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, uh, Brody's just, like, too shark-obsessed. To, so, I mean, I, I just don't get... I don't buy that he would have his kids anywhere near or not be paying attention enough. I mean, I get it, he's crazed. But as a parent, that would be where my main focus would be is to make sure my kids were nowhere near that water. Yeah, I, I am 100% with you on that one. I think with that, I mean, the biggest issue with this movie is it's essentially retreading the f- yeah. you know all the steps from the first movie. But I mean, if that was a a negative swipe on the making of a movie, almost every horror sequel would, <laughs> you know would be subject to that because most horror sequels are just remakes of the original movie, but with more money. You know what I mean? It's like, they gave us more money to make a sequel. How do we do it? We'll just do the same movie again, but we'll just change the ending just a little bit. Um, <laughs> and you know what I mean? Just enough. And that's essentially what they're doing here. I think the problem is, and once again, to not to just keep lamping on the fact that you're nailing this um, 100% in terms of what I personally think, um, the first movie is so iconic that... anything, anything is going to come under extreme scrutiny and Mm -hmm. when you make a like essentially kind of almost carbon copy of that first movie and it's not original anymore um, and it's not quite got that Spielberg sheen to it anymore, yeah it it just doesn't kind of feel, even the score which is John Williams again and I think it's an incredible score but it's not, I mean it's using the elements but it's not as iconic so it kind of feels like 
Like, that, do you think that each shark should have like their own score? <laughs> I, I, I would, lo- I would love like some funk behind this one, you know, just, <laughs> like, or, or, or kind of ang- or rush or something. Like, I don't know, just something different. I, I think the thing is, like, it's a, a more playful score as well, which I think suits the movie and also suits the rating. That there are, there's a lot more whimsy in the way that Williams presents the score for the movie. But that being said, I think ultimately. It's like it's like you are driving a car and it's a really nice car and everyone keeps telling you your car is so nice, right? Mm-hmm. And then you park your car beside someone who has the same car except their car's a bit cleaner, their car's a bit tidier, you know, their car's in a better colour, um, their car has a better stereo, you know, all these things. I mean, it's essentially the same car but you, you're instantly attracted to the one that looks better better and that's I think the pitfall of Jaws 2 is that if Jaws 2 existed in a world where Jaws didn't it's you know it's an it's an incredible original you know great gripping family movie but it exists in a world where two years before the the template was created in which this is a sequel for and that movie is pretty much flawless um so you're following that up. So I think the maybe the reason the movie doesn't get talked about as much is not because it's bad or there's tons of negative aspects. Right. It's just there's nothing in this movie that is as remarkable as that first movie. And as a result, it doesn't really stand out as much. Whereas the other two movies, if what the people are saying I'm going to be experiencing this, what I'm going to be experiencing, Lacey... Um, are just bad movies and I, by contrast it's so much easier to pick apart a bad movie than it is to pick apart a movie which is actually well done competent yeah. good I acting. don't feel like this is a bad movie at yeah. all I highly enjoyed it but um, I think an analogy actually just popped into my head it's probably stupid but I'm going to say it anyways because mm. that's what I do <laughs> and, um, so if if Jaws 1 and Jaws 2 were brothers mm-hmm. Jaws would be Mufasa and this one would be Scar <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like right? it. Yeah. I do like it because you've made a Disney reference that I get. I struggle with Disney. Like, there's a time period where, like, everything after a certain... And I've got a daughter. I've got a young daughter. Um, and she watches it and I don't even know what they are. I don't even know what right. the songs are. And I don't know what the characters are. And I go and see them and I can't remember things afterwards. But The Lion King's about the cutoff for me. Like, The Lion King and everything before I'm fine with. Everything after. <laughs> It's, 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 a, it's a no-go at all. Yeah, I think that's... I think it's just... Well, this Jaws even has a scar. He does. put <laughs> herself on fire, and so he's got scars from it. So. Wait one second. Fucking Disney. <laughs> yep, Disney. They, they, they infiltrated somehow. <laughs> uh, right, your next question, and this one is always much more fun after the first movie where it's completely not applicable as a question with the first movie. But in terms of the canon, like the structure and the rules kind of set out in Jaws as a movie, is there anything that this movie does that kind of breaks that canon? Is there any kind of egregious... Does it jump the shark? Oh, pun intended. Ooh. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, does, it, does it jump the shark? Or is it a case of, like we've said, it, it kind of sticks pretty much to the original formula to its kind of detriment and to its positives. Yeah, no, I mean, aside from the fact that it's basically like the same formula, I mean, you have the same character, 
um, or a couple of them anyways, mm -hmm. throughout. I mean, it references the orc at the very beginning of the film, um, which is completely canon to the first. Mm -hmm. um, you know, aside from the fact that he's been through this and they don't believe him, which would be probably my only argument for the fact that that might be the only thing to where it doesn't make sense for yeah. this as a sequel. You know, um, that's the only thing that I think would, that's kind of asinine. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't think there's anything really egregious about the movie at all. I think because it sticks so close to that formula into mm -hmm. its pitfalls, like with the, the whole kind of, well, we don't believe Chief Brody again because we've all got amnesia. <laughs> the men in black have been here and wiped our minds. Um, you know what I mean? It, that's what it feels like. No one remembers. Uh, no one remembers the huge massacre and shark incident four years ago. It's just been a distant memory. Um, I, you know, with that, I mean, it's uh, it's basically remaking the movie. So, I, you know, I, it doesn't really do any. Doesn't do anything. So you feel like it's kind of like a remake, or does it feel more like a sequel? Uh, to me, it feels like a. It's weird. Uh, to me, it feels. <laughs> It's a bit of both. It is a bit of both. I think had they not doubted Brody in the movie, it's definitely a sequel. But I think the fact that they do so much of the is basically you're resetting the the the, the clock on this one, and mm -hmm. that he's having to have the same argument with the same people all over again. Um, and no one believes him, and we're going to get you know it's all the elements are here that you would constitute. If you were remaking Jaws, a shark yeah. would appear and kill someone out from the land. You know, there would be some evidence that starts to wash up. The guy who's the chief of police would try and convince the town mayor. The mayor wouldn't believe him. More bodies would wash up. Meanwhile, a doctor would make an appearance who would give... You know, like, out with that big climactic se segment with the orca and them hunting the whale... Uh, hunting, hunting the whale, wasn't it? Hunting the shark at the end. Every other beat in this movie is the beats from the first movie. It's just, they just changed the ending. And even then, the, the actual ending ending is still, there are other ways to kill a shark out with, like, full-on electrocution at sea and exploding it. You know what I mean? Like, there are so many other ways to kill a shark. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, it's even up to that. So, I think, like, the, the first two thirds of this movie are basically a remake in the first movie, and then the last third is different. So, it's, it's a weird combination of remake and sequel, and in my mind. And if they remove the cheap Brody it. part, it's not there. I, you know, it's just a remake. It's just a sequel, sorry. So, so I'm going to pretend I'm like the Men in Black, and I'm going to uh, wipe out the movie Jaws from your memory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and let's say this was the only Jaws movie that was given. Mm -hmm. Do you think it would be as iconic if the other Jaws didn't exist? No. So that's the no. thing. That's the thing. I think, like, Jaws to me is lightning in a bottle because it's weird. Like, Jaws to me is a horror movie and this felt more like an action movie. And I know plenty of people that have the argument, well, Jaws is an action movie because I hear that all the fucking time. Um, Jaws is a I'm horror movie. I'm like thinking movie. of like Bruce Lee and like Jackie Chan when you say action. So I'm like, this is definitely yeah. a horror film to yeah. me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the it's the way where the the beats of a horror movie are all the like the head tumbling out in the first movie and Spielberg's famous story about he you know him him putting that scare in after he'd made the movie because he thought. I can get. He saw how the crowds reacted in the test screen with their popcorn going up in there and whatnot, and he was like, "I can get one bigger screen." 
I can get it and he put that in there and he got it and you know like that he was going out there to terrify people I don't think anyone writing this script was you know setting out to terrify anyone I think the person that wrote this script was saying you know we can make another shark movie um yeah. and I well, think I thought it was terrifying though like yeah, I feel, it has its moments menacing for me but yeah. then again I'm not nostalgic to it yeah so um, so, I think for me that's probably why. Yeah, I think I, I think that's that's where I, I kind of come down on it. I, I I see this one leaning towards a kind of action sort of environment. I totally acknowledging that there's horror elements where to me it's the less viable. Yes, yeah, and I think that's maybe what makes like until Jaws came out, there hadn't really been a movie like that. Um, and I think you know, and it became so famous and so huge. I mm-hmm. think if Jaws two had been the movie and released at the same same time frame. I don't know if you get that because you don't have those like the moments like the the that that uh, Quint story is fucking harrowing and scarring. You know, it's up there with it's up there with um. And for uh, what happens to him? Yeah, uh, yeah. The fact that he survives all that only to be eaten by a shark. I mean, like. <laughs> I mean, that should be. That's the sort of thing that should be in Alanis Morissette's ironic. You know, I mean, that should that that should be a line. You know, you know, like you you survived in Indianapolis and getting eaten by a shark. You know, I mean, that's uh, it's a little too ironic. Um, But you know, it's all those elements I think make that movie a bit more remarkable. And then when I see this movie, it's difficult to distance yourself from it. And that's I'm I'm kind of with you though. I think. It's weird that it's weird that it's taken me this long to get back to the movie, and it's weird that not a lot of people talk about it. Because I mean, it is it is well above average in what it's doing. It's, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I didn't like some movies feel like a chore. This one didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the you know the chick lighting herself on fire really sets the tone for me. I'm gonna keep going back to that because I love that scene. <laughs> I don't know. If, if there is not a militant act of feminism. Uh, in any movie like that, then your movie doesn't have a militant act of feminism. I think, she, I think she's the hero of the film. I think she is. I think she is. She's, she's taking burning brass to a new level. Uh, well, so, she gave him stars. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, she, gave, she made this Jaws look more badass. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but isn't that the, like, the... I mean, you talk about, like, just being an absolute kind of, like, savage killer at the age. She's like, you know, well, if I'm going... You're coming with me. <laughs> You're not just coming with me. You're gonna burn, motherfucker. I love it. I think it's. I think it's great. Um, and not only that, she washes up on shore later. Yeah. Oh, I get charred. Yeah. Scarring Brody so much that he sinks half a bottle of Jack. I love it. Is like, it? Thank you so much for creating Jaws too. Like just to be the, and lighting yourself on fire. Like yeah, she comes back in a big way there. Yeah. Totally. Um, you have to take one of two positions here. You either have to recommend this movie or not recommend this movie. I'm going to assume you like me after a conversation that we're recommending this movie. Um, I'm definitely recommending. Yeah, and I've got a feeling that I know what scene you're going to like. <laughs> I got a feeling there's been a theme all the way through this recording, and I kind of love sorry. it. No, I absolutely love it. It's like my favourite thing now. In fact, I, I like, I'm going to downgrade. I'm going to go back and downgrade my Jaws. Uh, review because it doesn't have a woman setting herself on fire. Um, I kind of feel, I kind of feel like that perfect grade that I gave it is not perfect anymore because it doesn't have it. Um, is that the scene you would choose if someone was saying, if, oh, "There's my my watch talking to me"? Um, 
Is that the scene that you would choose in terms I mean, of to recommend? If I was like, I've never seen Jaws 2 before, you're like, oh, you should see it. And I'm like, why? Is this the scene you're talking about? on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. Sign me up. Where can I see Well, I mean, but like, it just became like so extra. Like, I, like I had no idea where that scene was going. I thought, you know, maybe Jaws was going to pop out of the water and like eat her. You know, I had no idea the extra level yeah. <laughs> that this film was going to go. And I mean, she douses herself. <laughs> And I mean, for the greater good. And I, I, I still want to know, like, how that scene came about. Like, who wrote this? That was just like, hey, she's just gonna decide. I don't want Jaws to get me. I'd rather burn. <laughs> like, I mean, really? Did she think that maybe she could jump in the water after or something? But I mean, <laughs> and the fact that she shows up charred later. I mean, looking like <laughs> Tiffany from Bride of Chucky. <laughs> I also kind of like that this is her default whenever anything seems a bit bad. Like she gets a flat tire and like she's like, well, there's no one around here. Might as well set myself on fire. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like I can't get. What, what do you mean the table that I booked for dinner? My reservation is being cancelled. Might as well set myself on. I kind of love that as like the almost like the Big Trouble in Little China. You know how like the Thunder and Big Trouble in Little China, like earlier on in the movie, looks like he's going to do the whole, you know. Uh, explosion thing where he starts to puff up I love that idea that you know that's just his default anger he gets so that way and in this movie you've just got a burning woman she's always two she's one step away she's she's one small tragedy away from setting herself on fucking fire love it absolutely love it it's now the way I want to live my life every day every day from now on um the, I would like her level of commitment to the ocean. Yeah, she's 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 all in. Like you would not want to play poker with this bitch. She would like she would own you. Like that, her, her poker face unmatched. She's sitting at the table with her cards turned over and a fucking jerry can full of fucking gasoline, and she's like that. Oh, I'm all in. And if this is, if I don't win this hand, I'm gonna burn. Like you know, she definitely like has a DNA for if she was to like go into cardiac arrest. Like, do not resuscitate. Like. Yeah, do not resuscitate. Cremate, please. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Um, oh my God, you have to use that as the logo for the show. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> Oh man, the, the last thing. That's going to be that's going to be the name of my autobiography. Is do not resuscitate, cremate. Oh my god! Yeah, it's a hundred percent happening now. Um, so the the last thing we do over here is we assign a grade to these movies. Uh, we use kind of old old Netflix grading, which I think I really should change the name of because Netflix have been doing thumbs up and thumbs down for about three years. Um, <laughs> So it's one through five, one is hated it, two is didn't like it, three is liked it, four is really liked it, and five is loved it. We do point fives on this show. Uh, what grade would you give Jaws to? Oh, um, well, when I watched Jaws the other, um, like, uh, I think we watched it uh, 4th of July mm. um, for a 4th of July watch. And I ended up giving it a four, which mm-hmm. was, um, like I said, I'm not nostalgic, but I really enjoyed this movie. Like, it's like borderline love it. Mm-hmm. Um, God. Um, like, I feel like I would get ridiculed if I rated it higher. Than, but I, my, my enjoyment level for this one is is higher than the original. And, and that's probably because I'm not nostalgic to it. Yeah. 
And this one, I just felt it was so much more fun to me. I mean, she lit herself on fire. (laughs) (laughs) And the kid got rammed into a boat. And then, you you know, like the foreshadowing and the, the big wire that, you know, Lit him up again. Yeah. Like, I mean, and his scars, and he's meaner. And I, I just, I just really like this one. And then you got the the hoish wife in this one. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just thought that, but I probably wouldn't like all these things if there wasn't the original, as you so said. Um. So I'm gonna, but I am borderline loving it. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna go with a four. If I could, if I could do a half, I would do four point five. You give can a little bit of edge for my enjoyment level. You can do a four a four point five. Oh, I can. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay, so you're coming in four. Oh, point I'm f- going to then. <laughs> that is my. I mean, it's, it's probably not the. It, I mean, I mean, it doesn't have the iconic soundtrack and whatnot, and the mm-hmm. opening was eh. But I really had fun with it. I really, I'm really happy I was able to watch this, and I'm glad I got to talk about it with you. And um, yeah, I for my enjoyment, and probably just for that scene alone, it's a four point five. I mean, I'm not far off you here. I'm a four, which is higher yeah. than I thought I was gonna be. Um, and it was mostly because, like I say, revisiting it, I remember the ending being goofy and the ending is kind of goofy to this movie but it's goofy (laughs) yeah it's it's goofy in a way that kind of makes me want to clap my hands together and fist pump i I, like i really like it is it's my level of nonsense that i can kind of get behind with everything else that's happened in the movie and yet out with there are a few kind of niggling factors in here that you know, maybe I think it is a bit too long. I, I'm with you. I think right, the whole, I, I agree. Twenty know, minutes should have been cut out. Easy, and I think the whole "we don't believe Brody" thing is needless. I, I don't think it needs to be in there. J- just like Brody going off with a PTSD scenario, you know, of just shooting at <laughs> a crowded area, is enough to get him out the job, and then maybe he takes a vendetta on the shot. I don't know. So they, there's other ways they could have done it. I actually really like the idea of like on some level like Brody like revisit them four years later and he is now the quint of the town you know what I mean I, I, I kind of really like that we could have maybe went down that road but I mean these are do, things do you wish they would have killed Brody in this I, I mean yeah kind of because they knew at that point he wasn't coming back so um, you know what I mean like yeah. uh, Roy Schneider was the bang yeah, mate. Maybe he should have been the one to light himself on fire. Yeah, sacrifices. <laughs> I just love that. That is that. That is the way we're killing ourselves now. Like that is the way we're taking out the shark. Well, like, like you know, maybe he should have been the sa- uh, sacrificial lamb, and like that's how he ended. You know, save you know, these maybe- kids. Sacrifice. Well, that's a so. That's so much better an ending for me because ultimately, <laughs> what is the ending in this movie? If not that, it goes back to being what rehired into his job, knowing that the town completely distrusts him. Uh, policing the sharks. Yeah, policing the sharks. I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think that necessarily gets as much. But I had fun, and that's the key to. Like, it once once again key to the the, the old Netflix styles of greatness. Even if the movie is like a clusterfuck of incompetence, <laughs> if the enjoyment level's high, it's going to score high. Um, right. So four feels like I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I thought it was going to coming back. Hey, I, I didn't didn't, think I was going to like it at all because nobody talks about it. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, I think it's, it is that movie that sadly will always be in the shadow. Overshadowed, yeah. yeah, always be in the shadow of the first one purely because... It's not terrible, and that's you. Know, I mean, that's as as biggest crime as it's not shit. Because um, if it was shit, people would talk about it. It's, it's such a no, shame. It's also 
it, you said it came out in 78. Dan yep. made a point earlier, and another iconic movie came out that same year. Mm-hmm. And yeah. obviously that's uh, Halloween. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, when people talk about great movies from that year, you never hear Jaws 2. It's always Halloween. Yeah. So unfortunately, it just overshadowed. 78 is a stacked year. 78 Halloween, 78 Dawn of the Dead. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's a little bit unfair on Jaws 2. You know I mean? Jaws, you get the sequel to the, Jaws. Yeah, the Jawsening. <laughs> uh, here it comes. Um yeah, so I think I think four is respectable. I think four point five is awesome. I'm so glad that you gave it that. Um, as, like I said at the beginning, Lizzie, you do stuff. You record podcasts. You yeah. write. Uh, you are a busy person, and you also contributed to the People's Council. Where can people go away from this show right now? Just hit fucking stop and go away and check out Lizzie's stuff. Where can they check you out? Um, well, right now, uh, Cut to the Chase in there here is under Horophilia. However, um, we're moving over to Dark Discussions mm. at the end of the month. Nice. So you'll be able to check us out there um, under the new, um, yeah, because um, Horophilia, I don't know if a lot of people know, but that's going to, um, for podcasts at least, the, the site will still be up, but um, there'll be no new podcast after, the, I believe, the 1st of February, I think, or maybe. That's what I'd heard, yeah. Yeah, so um, yeah, so we're just making the transition a little bit earlier just to make sure things go smoothly, you mm-hmm. know, just to get the kinks out. And then So you're I'm not also- setting yourself on fire on the first of February, is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I, I well, you know, I'm not gonna get cremated, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I'm also and you can hear Dan Chase, uh, former fame skeleton crew. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean I love podcasting with him. He's my partner in crime in real life. And then I have, uh, I podcast with Derek. Everybody on here obviously knows Derek. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the They're Here podcast. That's and, how you're uh, supposed to do it. I can't do that. <laughs> you, I think you did a fine damn job. Thank you. Right, you you're can welcome. come back. I've decided, right? <laughs> that, was, that was like you were on the edge of being invited back until you said that there. And then I was like, Just the big edge? T- Just the edge. I was like, yeah, I like the stories about the burning woman. I like everything else that's <laughs> happened here. She's laughed at my jokes. She's been very complimentary. She now says that my there here is okay. Right, she can come back. So, <laughs> well, that's where you can find me and on popcorn.com. <laughs> Phenomenal, Lisa. This has been an absolute blast. Um, feels weird that this is the first time we're finally recorded together. I but know it flowed pretty damn well. I think so. Like, like an ocean. Yeah, like an ocean or with a shark. river that flows. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Dan Chase is saying wow in the background. Saying, <laughs> I love Dan. He knows that. He, do, he, he says know. he loves you, Dan. I love you, motherfucker. See, that is literally like, uh, he doesn't know, but like my face has been flushed and my heart just went faster. He said his heart just puttered. <laughs> He knows, he knows where it's at. Um, Awesome, thank you very much for joining me. I am going to jump out though, listeners, and when I return, I'm going to be closing out this episode right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast under the stairs. This has been bonus episode 276, the first of two planned episodes looking at the Jaws franchise as part of our Russian Roulette franchise retro. 
very grateful and overjoyed to say that we have got the two best ones out the way on this episode. Thanks to my guests David Garrett Jr. and Lacey Liu for jumping across to discuss Jaws and Jaws 2 respectively. There's a lot of ways to check out the show, but if you're listening to me right now, hit subscribe, but that way you never miss anything coming out from under the stairs. While you're at it, subscribe to that Tea Putts Collective as well, and that way you get all the bonus shows that I'm doing over there, whether it's Opera Omnia, where to begin with, Chronicle, or Doing the Nasty, they will appear in your feed free of charge. No excuse not to subscribe to both. Visit our website, it's tputzcast.com. You can buy merch to support this show by going to tputzcast.bigcartel.com. Visit us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast. Or visit the Teaputz Collective on Facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash tputzcast. You can reach out and touch myself and the bands on the twin prongs of social media sexness, Instagram and Twitter, both can be followed at tputzcast. Nice and simple, that, isn't it? Check us out in the Flick Chat app, which is free and available for Android and iOS users, or join code is TPUTCAST as well. The podcast Under the Stairs will return for you on Saturday with another Listener Choice episode. But until then, wherever you are, whatever the time zone is, and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from Under the Stairs, and I am signing off.